100% of their £1,000 deposit on demand, the bank is perfectly entitled to, by law, to lend £900 of that, say, even if the depositor, were he to know about it, were to object. So the £900 that was fraudulently lent out would, of course, be in perfectly safe instruments like government bonds and, and mortgages and the like. There's no worry, you know. What if there's insufficient cash to satisfy depositors with this arrangement? Well, the friendly central bank is there and they will give a cash advance against any eligible assets. This is the uh, repurchase, sale and repurchase order, which I'm sure some of you might be familiar with. And the natural determination of the temporal arrangement of monetary resources is usurped. Okay? Now, borrowing short to lend long is one particular aspect of this phenomenon. And is everybody familiar with what borrowing short to lend long means? Good. Um, it's, it's, it's only one aspect, you know, if you lend three-month money for three months and a day with the expectation that a roll is possible after three months, it's topologically the same as lending out demand deposits. At some point, the system will be unexpectedly caught short. Now, it might seem that everything always matches from an assets and liabilities perspective across the whole financial system and that there are no holes. So obviously when you pick up a bank's balance sheet and you look at the assets and liabilities, there is no way that they will not match. Otherwise they would not have been signed off by an accountant. They will always match. But what you have to remember is that the balance sheet at any one moment is a representation of, spatial of a spatial arrangement of entities. The holes are in time from the mismatching of durations. So mismatching of durations means you walk into a bank, you want to lend the money out for at most three months, and the bank goes and lends it out for 10 years, in the hope that over that 10-year period, they will be consistently able to roll that three-month roll, uh, that three-month loan, and uh, have continuous funding. Okay. So they're looking at the wrong thing. Now, obviously, it's very hard to look the holes in time, as it were, um, which is why these things have to be determined subjectively from the start. Okay. Then there will be no question. Okay. They will match. So an approximate match between assets and liabilities on a bank's balance sheet is untenable. So is an approximate matching of their durations. Okay? It's incorrect fiscal rectitude, plain and simple, has nothing to do with the gold standard. If we were on a, on a, on a salt standard or a, or a cowrie shell standard, it, this point would still be valid. Okay? Nothing to do with the gold standard per se. So it's the mechanics of this process, this usurpation, that results in the business cycle, which is not a natural consequence of anything, no matter what you read. The business cycle is not a natural anything. It shouldn't happen. It's a consequence of bad fiscal discipline. 
So this is all unnecessary under a collectively determined subjective arrangement of monetary resources. And there is no better way to show that temporal holes can be just as damaging as balance sheet holes than with the great financial crisis. Okay. Now, a lot of people have said, you know, we should have let it go, uh, we should have let the system collapse and just sort of had a cathartic, have a cathartic event and, you know, then we can go, uh, go back to first principles. And it sounds like a good idea, you might say, and I'm sure many people here might have that point of view. And I did until I really started to think about it, okay? <coughs> the usurpation of that natural determination of the deposit structure has no better example than, let's say, the Royal Bank of Scotland in London. Simply put, the difference between a pound coin in your pocket and a one pound deposit at the Royal Bank would have been gargantuan if the system would have, were, were allowed to uh, collapse. Okay? The latter would have been written down 95%, whereas the former would still be in your pocket. And anyone that associates inflation with some kind of um, linear QTM type thing is wrong. They say there's so many dollars being created and prices go up because of these dollars being created. Well, you would have got back 90 years of purchasing power of the dollar in a flash at the expense of the maintenance of civilization for those who had the dollar in their pocket, as it were, not on deposit. And the prices of all things would have collapsed for, all, for reasons for nothing to do with demand falling. You know, that's just the wake and the jet plane crashing, you know. So trying to fix the wake is not going to make the jet plane come out of the ground from flames. And that, by the way, is the tactic of most central banks, is, some, is to increase demand. The general price level would plunge not because of a twee reduction in demand, but because everyone is trying to sell assets into a vanishing bid to make up for the shortfall. Okay? Trying to sell something into a vanishing bid uh, might prove very troublesome to the person. So, this is a very, very powerful mechanism. Okay? And you can paper over it, as we're trying to do now, but it's a very, very powerful force. And uh, the consequence of that is a deflationary environment. You know, it's not an inflationary environment. So, you know, we're doing all, they're doing all that they can to, uh, to keep the charade going, and it seems to be working for the moment. So what we just experienced in GFC, Great Financial Crisis, as tick follows talk, will be experienced yet again, but it will be exponentially, exponentially worse. So mismatching of durations is still going on. You know, it's, if you look at the yield curve at the moment, it has never been so profitable for a bank to uh, take out overnight money and uh, lend it out for uh, any term longer than overnight. It's called the 210 spread in, uh, uh, in American, in Bloomberg broker parlance, and it's never been higher. So, um, and this is a point the professor um, has made, there is no risk 
of them not being able to find overnight funding now in this regime. No risk whatsoever. Why? Because who's, who's stepping in there to buy, to buy treasuries and bills, you know, at the drop of a hat? Our friends at the Fed, you know. So there is no risk currently at the moment of a repeat of the GFC quite yet. But obviously that, that situation with the Fed is not going to last forever. <clears throat> it will end at some point. When I can't predict the future, I don't think anyone can. You know, you just know, you just know it will happen. So um, <clears throat> I think that's it for the moment. I've covered, I've covered most of the points. <coughs> we debunked the uh, the myth that there is insufficient gold for economic activity. <coughs> we have debunked the myth that gold fixes the price level. We've debunked the myth of the origin of the banknotes via the failure, um, uh, via the uh, ineptitude, supposedly, of the goldsmith. And we have also shown that what people assume um, is a facet of a gold standard, as in crises, has nothing to do with a gold standard, per se. Um, so that's it for the moment. Um, and I invite any questions on the back of that. I've got a bit more to say about how this relates to the, uh, the situation in the futures market with gold and silver. <coughs> gold and silver were money, or let's just say gold, and gold commanded uh, an interest rate. And just because uh, Mr. Nixon said in 1971 that the dollar is now irredeemable does not mean that gold no longer commanded an interest rate. They decided to change its nomenclature to lease rates to make it sound like gold was no longer money, you know, like a, an industrial commodity somehow. But it's still well and truly there earning uh, interest for, uh, for, for people. Uh, the corollary of not being on a gold standard is that you have a futures market as well. Um, and I'm not sure of the time. Have I got enough time at the moment? Uh, anyone with a watch? Three Okay. So I will talk about this now then. Now, this is related to um, basis, co basis that we were discussing yesterday. Um, now, I said that in, a, um, in the current regime, uh, well, in any regime, you have the, uh, you have the, the, um, the job, the, the, you have the concept of a warehouseman. So a warehouseman is someone who warehouses a particular commodity. He buys this commodity and he sells it at the futures price. And uh, sells a future, let's say, for three months delivery, and uh, he warehouses this good. So let's say he buys gold, and he uh, sells a three month future. Now, 
he would pay a consideration for that. It's not really relevant what the consideration was here. We'll just call it, let's say, four, five dollars. And um, that isn't the end of the story, though. Because he is sitting on this, this gold, um, and he doesn't actually need it until he, he needs to cough it up at the futures exchange in three months' time. So, what does he do? He goes to the leasing market, it's called. And he says, well, obviously, if, uh, if I trust the person I'm lending the gold to, that's a given. And obviously, I, 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 get a, I get some kind of consideration for that. It's obviously better than just leaving the gold sitting in the warehouse, because you're getting an extra marginal, an extra marginal return. Okay? So he goes to the leasing market. And if he is legit, he will uh, lease for less than three months. Why does he have to lease it for less than three months if he's legitimate? Because he has to produce it for three months. Yeah. Okay, he has to produce it in three months. Okay. So if he's illegit, Lease is greater than or equal to three months. Okay. And is that wrong? Well, obviously it's wrong. I call it illegitimate. Okay, but uh, <laughs> um, that's wrong. Okay. And you can see that this is a kind of symmetrical analogy. to uh, borrow long and sell short. The, other, is, the other way around. Uh, sorry. <laughs> borrow short to uh, sell long. It's quite legitimate to borrow long and sell long. Yes. <laughs> it's just not usually very profitable. But <laughs> okay. Um, so we can see that there's a symmetry here. Okay. But it's, it's slightly more subtle than that, okay? Because if you look at the futures exchange as represented by COVEX, 98% of contracts uh, roll. They roll. Okay. No delivery. No delivery. No delivery. It's demanded. Mm. Because the speculators are there mm. for the ride. Mm. Speculators are there for the They don't want the goal. They not only that, Professor. Sometimes the, 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 the statutes in these funds say they're not allowed to own physical, uh, keep physical gold. Oh, mm. even that. You know, they have to keep gold futures. Mm -hmm. So they have to keep on rolling. And you can just see that the symmetrical analogy there with a constant roll is, is equivalent to the Fed being in the market as a constant buyer of, 
of bills and uh, bonds. So this illegitimacy can actually remain for an exceptionally long period of time. Okay, until and first of, and, and second of all, you can see that even in a legitimate futures market, if he's lent out his gold for three, less than three months, and someone does an audit of the, um, not an audit, if someone just looks at the warehouse, they will see, well this chap is sort of three month future and there's no bloody gold in his warehouse. It's Okay, he's not taking into account that it's been leased legitimately for less than two months. And this class of error and mistake is the Ted Butler class of error and mistake. It's the, and others, okay, they make this assumption that the, the number of futures somehow has to match with the amount of gold in the warehouse, mm. or silver. And it doesn't, it doesn't, you know. Just like if you go into a bank and say, where's my cash? And they say, well, you lent it out for three years, you know, it's not going to be here. We'll be here in three years' time, you know. So, uh, so that puts a hole in all of their arguments, um, that they're not looking at the situation properly, okay? But obviously, this situation is, is not uh, sustainable forever. Now, I cannot divine, I cannot divine how that will change in the future, um, whether it goes from 98% rolling, 97, 96, 95, I can't predict that, you know, that's, that's up to the people. This, I certainly have no idea about, you know, um, one can only, um, one can only imagine what they're doing here. I mean, if, if, if you're stupid enough to believe that this is going to continue into perpetuity, they might have lent it out for 10 years, you know, or something like that. And, and they forget about the eroding basis. They forget about the eroding basis, okay? And the eroding basis is the equivalent of a spike in LIBOR rates, as it were. <laughs> a move towards backwardation is like saying, hey, you've been messing up here, you know, you haven't been arranging the physical gold against your futures properly, okay? So the futures exchange will say, you know, um, you can have your gold, okay? If you want delivery against your future, and you want gold, uh, not gold, let's talk about silver, you want silver, you can have your silver, that is no problem. You'll have to wait one day, longer than usual. Then they'll say, Maybe, maybe five days, we're sorry there are some logistical problems, you know, and we can't get the silver to you immediately, but it will be there in five days. I said it would be there on the 29th, we have to wait till the uh, 3rd, I'm afraid, or the next month, sorry. Mm -hmm. And then, ah, it might be 10 days, real big logistical problems, you know, can't get the insurance to ship the silver, there'll be all kinds of excuses, and then it gets fuzzy, you know, 20 days, and then this is the question mark between delay versus default. Mm. And again, I suppose that's splitting um, hairs, you know. If I had to wait five days more than I 
contracted an obligation, that's a default to me, you know, not a delay. So I have a feeling this will take years, okay, it's not going to happen overnight. This will take years to um, evidence itself, obviously. So, now, I think that this will take a very long time to, um, to delay, uh, to, to evolve, okay? Basically, um, the, um, the expectation of this occurring happens by a positive co-basis, okay, which is a backwardation. It means that they can't get that silver or gold that was lent out high enough. Uh, that was lent out uh, for a very long period of time. <coughs> so they need to induce, the market naturally induces people to say, hey, look, come, sell your physical gold, sell your physical silver, and swap it for a future, bring the bid back into the futures market, you know, and uh, have risk-free money, risk-free inverted commas, risk-free up to this extending to infinity, uh, risk-free money, and your uh, premium on cash delivery versus the future. Well, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have the right to demand delivery. Yes. They bribe you with the premium. Yes. Add a few more days. Exactly. Add a few more months. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay, so <clears throat> every time that the um, the market has gone into a backwardation, and backwardation is not the same as no contango, okay? Backwardation is not the same as no contango. So when uh, it, silver only went into backwardation, when was it, Keith? It was about two weeks ago. Yeah, as an actionable backwardation, positive code basis, two weeks ago. And it disappeared last night when we were doing our uh, calculations. So someone has taken it. Someone has said, I'm willing to sell my spot silver for a premium and replace it with a, um, a futures contract. They, they don't know any better, you know. They're certainly not of the same class of, they're, not, they're certainly not of the same class of knowledge as the people sitting in this room, you know. And, you know, when, when, when the price of silver has advanced so quickly, so shortly, there will naturally be people who are selling anyway. They're not selling it to replace it with a the future, they're just selling it to take a profit, which is effectively the same thing as being bribed to take a, a, a spot silver future swap, okay? So, um, this is my personal feeling, that this will take years to resolve. You know, it's not going to, uh, I mean, we've already had, since end of 2008 to current, you know, that's uh, near, uh, one, over one and a half years, you know, something like that, um, of backwardation appearing and then going away. You know, backwardation occurring, then going away. So the market is not yet. Um, well, in other words, it's not permanent backwardation mm -hmm. until that runs its course. Yes. And yeah. It's not taken. Yeah. But it, you are not denying that there will be. A no, 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 no. Of course. Just like you know, it would be pretty hard. 
to deny that something like the great financial crisis would eventually happen, you know. Now, whether you said it was going to happen in 06 or 07 or 08 is, is irrelevant to the actual magnitude of what actually happened. So the gold market and the silver market will behave in exactly the same way. And just like the first clue to the, the collapse of the GSC was a widening spread in all of these, this rubbish CDS. It went from having a 0.1% spread to a 5% spread. And this was in the middle of two, the end of 2006, beginning of 2007. That was your first clue. Okay. And lo and behold, it was a brilliant clue. Say what CDS. Credit, credit default, uh, credit default swap. I actually meant collateralized debt obligation, not credit default swap. CDOs. So all of these, this packaged rubbish, etc., etc., which had had a very, very narrow spread. Suddenly, what happened? The market makers in these things started to just step back. But it's not well reported. Not well reported. Just like the premium on cash delivery is not well reported. Well. In fact, it's buried, and, and uh, the uh, financial journalists are guilty of that. They are. They're playing into the hands of... They are. By the way, just looking at the basis of today, mm. gold is seeing a rising basis falling gold basis. Mm. So if you want more towards the hangout. Mm. Silver is seeing the opposite, at least for April and uh, March May. Right. The, the um, basis is falling, and the gold basis is rising. There are no back with it, no positive. No, no back with it, not March, May, and December. December didn't really move. March, May, gold basis is rising. And the price is? Um, uh, up or down? I think it's over with up a little bit. Gold is 1427, so it's down, and it's over 35.87. <laughs> there you go. So Keith noticed yesterday that it had come out of the back predation. Yes. So this is we were expecting this partially, not over yet maybe, but uh, that's theory and practice for you there, folks. You know, so uh, short-term trading theory and practice as well. Um, well, as you may have noticed, we, without a break, we've gone on into the question-answer period. So, might as well continue, and if you want your coffee, you can have it after, but there will be no I think, yeah. uh, separate question-answer question period. So, please, so questions, shoot. comments. If nobody else has a question, I've got two comments. One is a small one. You said the uh, balance sheet break then and there, doesn't show the temporal. Mm. But it all depends how you look at it. If you look at market value of your long-term obligations, it does show it. Because, uh, you see what I mean? If you're marketing to market. But if you're looking at the uh, 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 you know, face value of those bonds or maturing value, then those numbers match. So you're marketing to market. <laughs> no, what, what I mean is that in the sense that if you pick up Royal Bank's balance sheet, it will say assets Assets, liabilities, 
you know, the asset, um, the liability will just be deposit. Okay, you don't know what duration deposit. The asset will be whatever it is. And, it, and that has to match in the sense of the dollar value has to match or pound value has to match here. But there is no way of picking out the actual duration of that part. Well, if it's an asset, it's a bond. Yeah, okay, so asset, on the asset side you do, in the sense that you know the bond. That's yeah. what I'm saying, and there's been a lot of controversy about marking to market, yeah. or myth, or marking to, you know, the, the face value that will come out in 20, 30 years when it matures. But this part is fully unknown. Absolutely. Fully unknown. Yeah. Uh, the other comment was, your second thought was that this coin in your pocket mm. is worth so much, and what's deposited would be yeah. chopped down. To me, this is because it's all kind of, what's in there is conflated, mm. uh, you know. Yeah. And the, the, the government came along and said, we're guaranteeing all deposits. Mm. And now they're getting swamped because of this. Yeah. Now, if they would only guarantee those uh, deposits that are legitimate people putting their, mm. you know, their demand deposits Demand, in, yeah. And not all the other stuff, mm, mm. that would make a big difference. It would make a big difference. That might have you this. I, I, well, um, uh, the thing is, though, that I remember when uh, current accounts cost you money, mm -hmm. you didn't get an interest, no matter what the short-term interest rate was, current accounts were, were zero. You had to pay £12 a year, a month or something to keep one. Mm -hmm. Now, demand deposits bear interest, you know, so... How can a demand deposit bear interest? It can't really, because it's contradicting the fact that it's a demand deposit. But sure, if the bank was doing it properly, just keeping demand money, because what they say is on demand isn't even on demand. You know, it's, it's, it's lent out overnight. I understand that. What I'm saying is the government, the, the, the central bank, the treasury, whoever guarantees the system, Yeah does not guarantee the system. Mm. Only that part which is demand deposit. Like the FDIC uh, uh, you know, guarantees up to 50 or 100,000 in the US so that the small deposit is protected. Yeah, but then Couldn't then you do that? I'm sorry, could you, you could. do that just protect that, those people who expect to get their money back versus the huge, uh, you know, CDAs Yeah, you could, but, but then you're not, if you say that, you're still not, you're, you're still guaranteeing a time deposit because that demand deposit is still actually a time deposit. You just don't yeah. realize So you don't, you're, not, you're saying they can't... They can't, no. ...and, no. and re-establish the difference. I don't, I don't think I'll so. think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a question. Would you criticize me, or would you contradict me if I said the basis is the price of warehousing? No. Uh, you, yeah. listen. Is there a similar way of describing the coal basis? Uh, it's the price of D warehousing. warehousing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Unwinding yeah. a warehouse yeah. position, yeah. which is also yeah. not cost-free. Not cost-free. And, and the cost is the... So I thought this was a good way of looking at the basis and well, doesn't describe the whole thing, but it's a good starting point if you want to conceptualize the basis. That's what you pay when you 
take something into your warehouse and trade it. But the thing is sitting in the warehouse because you have a, 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 an extension of the market, the futures market, or the option market where you can trade it. So there is a cost involved and the warehouseman has to buy the building and uh, put in secure vaults and uh, the security guards hire them and, and insurance. So he will charge. Now, uh, he can recover his expenses to the basis. And then, uh, who is, uh, who is uh, the uh, person mm. who will pocket the coal basis? The, um, the fellow who withdraws from the warehouse? It will be the warehouseman himself. Oh, himself? Yeah. Oh, I see. That's right. Sometimes it will be his, mm. to his advantage to empty the yeah. warehouse. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But only if he will be able to recover the costs, capital costs, maintenance costs and mm. uh, uh, overhead, what have you, in some other ways. Yeah, because he'll be out of future. the job if he can't carry anything in yeah. the future. That's There'll right. be one big payoff for him and then out of business, you yeah. know. <laughs> so he empties his warehouse. This is interesting because a lot of people think that it's always the warehouse has to be full, otherwise it makes no sense. Sorry, sometimes you empty your warehouse because there is a better opportunity elsewhere. And, and that's the, where the coal is. And this is what is a, a completely ignored field. Mm -hmm. is, uh, I mean, there are lots of uh, uh, manuals on uh, futures trading and uh, these uh, uh, elevators, grain elevators, and so on. And they go into many details, the nitty-gritty of how to trade, and they are very good on that. But, but I have never seen that idea that sometimes the, you, the grain elevator operator, finds it to your advantage to empty the elevator. Let go of it fully, yeah. You know, people think this is, this is not possible. It's very much possible. Well, of course, in a way, uh, it's not characteristic yeah. for the grain trade. <laughs> but when it comes to trading metals, especially monetary metals, it's absolutely important to consider this. And, and I want to commend, I think I have said this to you, but I say it again, I want to commend uh, Sandy for discovering this very basic element of the theory. And I hope you will be successful. You know, Sandy runs a service. And uh, the, I think the software or the program, uh, you cooperate with the two of you. Yes, yes. And, uh, and it will be tried in actual trading. Actual trading, yes, <laughs> one of the instruments used. So we are anxiously waiting for the results. <laughs> and hopefully next time when we meet, uh, that you will be able to tell us. Absolutely. So I Thank wish you, you all the best. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. Thank you.
is how to serve your coffee.